the winter rain had driven everyone off the streets, and half London was down here in the underground, trying to get home in the dry. My train was packed, and we stood crushed together swaying from the straps as the thing moaned through the curves. Flashes came now and then against the black windows as the contacts hit some dirt on the rail, making it look as if lightning had struck. We stood with the patience of cattle, our clothes steaming from the deluge that had drenched us up there in the streets. The man had got on at Knightsbridge. I was standing next to him. We stood reading the advertisement panels and watching the light bulbs dim and flicker intermittently. A couple of girls along at the end were getting some furtive attention, one of them still managing to look sexy under a colorless plastic mac and with hair like seaweed. But we were mostly men on this train. The typists had gone home punctually an hour ago, leaving the department and managerial staffs to goad their ulcers into overtime. In the window I watched a reflection of the man standing next to me. I had forgotten his name, but I knew who he was. It was two years since I'd seen him, and at that time I hadn't thought I would ever see him again. Is this Piccadilly? I looked down at the plump woman. No, Hyde Park. I've got to get off at Piccadilly, she said, looking worried about it. I'll let you know. You can't see what the names are, can you, with the window so dirty? Not really. The train rocked again, and the man swayed against me. I eased away from him slightly, not wanting him to bump me too hard, in case he felt he should apologize. I didn't want to look at him, for any reason whatever. He was jammed into the corner between the glass partition and the doors, so that I was the only person close to him. I could feel the draught slicing through the gap in the doors where the rubber had warped. They said it would freeze tonight. Is this it? The plump woman asked me. No, this is Green Park. Are you sure? Yes. The train was stationary now and I turned away from the man by a few degrees more, because that would suit his book. I didn't want him to feel worried about me. When's Piccadilly, then? I looked at the woman. The next stop. I didn't want to tell her I was getting off there myself, because the man would hear and behave differently from the way I wanted. I won't let you miss it, I told her. The train began moving again, and I took a series of slow breaths, inhaling the smell of wet overcoats. When we were going at full speed, I shifted my feet an inch for the sake of balance, and waited. The woman was standing sideways onto me, with her shoulder against my chest. She had to turn her head quite a bit and look upwards when she talked to me, but that wasn't good enough. I went on waiting. Lightning came again on the black windows. Is it the next stop? She asked me. Piccadilly? Yes. She nodded, turning back to stare at the windows. Then the train lurched and the waiting was over, and I reached up with my left hand to brace myself against the partition, and now the woman couldn't see my face any more because my arm was blocking her view. The only sound was the moaning of wheels and someone saying, on the other side of the compartment, that it was going to snow. There was no other sound of any significance, but time was going by, and my right arm began tiring. I would have liked to rest it, but couldn't. Katia, I thought. Katia. Remembering her name, but not her face, or not very much. Just a girl standing there under the lamp with two men on each side of her, standing there looking at me and smiling. It was all I needed, this thought, and the memory of her name. Katia. The train began slowing. 
I kept my eyes on the opposite side of the compartment now. The glow of wonderlight, a panel read, for a festive Christmas. It was already late January. Perhaps they meant it for next Christmas too, for every Christmas. That would be the message, really, that you could have a festive Christmas with those things lit up all over the tree.'